1: This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. We have a lot to get to this morning uh, with the Tyree Nichols killing and Paul Pelosi and Russia, Ukraine and Jim Jordan on Meet the Press, but... I just have to address that call at the end of the Bengals-Chiefs game last night that set uh, Kansas City up for the winning field goal. Uh,
2: Yeah, it was bad.
0: Does anybody agree with me that uh, the NFL, maybe I'm late to the dance on this, the NFL has uh, become the WWE? Do you feel like things were scripted? And um, this is not a conspiracy, but that that call, that personal foul call on the Bengals uh, at the end of the game to set up that field goal – was just an awful call. How do you make that call to decide an AFC championship?
2: 3126425600 turnkey.pro answer line 64636 type in DA then a quick comment. I mean it was a brutal 15-yard penalty and I felt so bad for that defensive player, number 58. I don't even know his name because I just felt sick for him. He couldn't stop himself. It wasn't it wasn't a targeted hit. He he it was in motion. He couldn't put on the brakes.
0: Even if you say it was a little bit of a push, I mean, a little bit of a push. uh, Yeah. Oh, it's called every time. It's that's just the, no, it's not called every time. And by the way, um, you know, anybody with any familiarity in sports knows when it's winning time, the standards are relaxed because refs uh, do want and should want players to decide the game, not them to decide the game. And so... When you drive in the paint for the winning shot, are they going to call a ticky-tack reach and foul? No, they're not, nor should they. Same thing here. It's just, I mean, it's awful because, of course, I picked the Bengals to Big win it ball, all, yeah. and I'm, so, I'm <laughs> upset about that. But it's just, it's just, I don't know, it just diminishes the game. And it's not to say anything about Pat Mahomes being this great quarterback that he is and the Chiefs and so on and it's so, so forth. But it's just, you just cannot decide games that way. And I and I don't know, I was just thinking of the uh, Aaron Rodgers comments from last week about how uh, the sports media needs uh, heroes and villains, just like the general media does. And Aaron Rodgers is a villain right now because of the stances he's taken on covid and so forth. And not that Joe Burrow is a villain or the Bengals are a villain, but but Pat Mahomes is definitely a hero. And I mean, again, he should be because of his play over the last five or six years. But the deference to Mahomes to get a call and and the bike center Kansas City to get a call like that and set up the whole Andy Reid versus his former team and And Pat Mahomes solidifying him as the new Tom Brady and so on and so forth. I don't know.
2: You think they should have just left it as – I mean, the guy, what was it, Joseph Asahi? The name assassinator, It probably wasn't even close. I think he's going to need counseling after that.
0: Well, okay
2: Oh, please. he sat there on the bench and was crying, He was inconsolable and I just yeah. felt uh, okay.
0: This for this a... is this is not like well, Mom, please.
2: I am being a mom. I'm a football mom. I can't help it.
0: Mary <laughs> but, yeah. Kay, Western Springs. Hey you guys, the forty
3: nineers should have won, that's all it is. Should have no, won. They didn't down. even what? have the quarterback. They well their... no, wait a minute. They I use McCaffrey like, um... as a quarterback. Hang on, I like Bosa, the guy that number ninety
0: seven. He, well, he's, uh, he's a,
3: he's a dog, whatever he is, defense offense. I can't watch. I have to okay. cook dinner on Sunday. Sure, but but well, Dan, listen to me for a second. The forty nine er, I don't know Mahomes. It's what you said. It's turning into WWE. That's you know, it's a it's a circus out there. I walk in, I walk out of the family room we're trying to watch i'm like what the heck's happening and i get to the end it was 2020 right
4: yeah and
3: then uh, who kicked the, right. the field goal i'm a little confused i just um, got up. the the, well,
0: the, the, ch- the, the chiefs the chiefs uh buckner that and, and the chiefs won the game right <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> so start, start from there and that okay. had nothing to do with the 49ers and eagles
3: Sorry, but they I st- I I'm, 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 I watched the two games back back and yeah. the kid from LT right the what's he the kicker and the Eagles Philadelphia they won correct yes the well, Eagles they won destroyed-
0: Robbie Gold lost yeah. uh, he yeah. they destroyed the 49ers. Right. but yeah okay uh-huh.
3: I'm all over the place then who okay. played after that the Bengal I don't Not know. <laughs> Oh, wow. wow. Okay. That, <laughs>
0: oof. Oh yeah. Okay. Bengals and Chiefs. Let's we get sort this out. This is the service we provide. <laughs> uh, Bengals and Chiefs.
3: Two games. Yes, played
0: for the AFC Championship. So now in the Super Bowl, Marianne, you can. You've got a couple weeks to prepare for this. It's going to be the Eagles and the Chiefs. Two weeks, right? Yeah, two weeks. Yes,
3: two. Weeks. Or Thanks. you can
0: watch the Phoenix Open that weekend instead, which is what I want. And to I'll do.
3: watch that because that's a lot of fun, isn't that TPA okay. or whatever.
0: That's a PGA. Yes.
3: PGA, CGA, yeah. you know, TMI. I mean, I know them all, Dan. I'm just like, this is my right. life here. I wake up yeah. every day and I'm like, is it golf? Is it, are we watching the, the Bears lose, the Packers lose? You know, it's just, that's what we do. All, all week right.
0: Long Thanks. Thanks for so checking you, in. Our sports correspondent, yeah. Mary Kay, Western Springs. That was
3: a
2: little rough, I got to tell you.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, you So you don't think they should have made that call? They should have just kept going?
0: I think I've made that clear. Yes, I think you do. I think too. that should have I think that game should have gone to overtime and let the players decide. Dan and Amy, Chicago's Morning Answer. Listen to Dan
1: and Amy on your smartphone. Download the AM560 mobile app today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile.
0: Dan and Amy in the, another matter of sports follies, in addition to the Call that end of the game in the AFC Championship game. Finland has introduced the world's uh, first trans national figure skater. Oh boy! Yeah, uh, I took a little look at that. This is this is not going to be one of those instances, though. Good news, like uh, the clownfish Leah Thomas, where you have a dude that's dominating a uh, female sport. That will not be this case with uh, Minna Maria Antkanen who um number 1 is a dude number 2 he looks like he's about 50 years old yeah not a good look number 3 he is not in figure skating shape and number 4 he can't skate <laughs> <laughs> during oh. the intro so where where all the skaters are skating around the ice waving their you know respective national flags the at the ISU European figure skating championships where the theme was just be you okay okay he, he he fell down, right. like thirty seconds into his like free skate around the rink, just like doing a little half circle. And I don't mean in the air.
2: No, I know. On the yeah, he, well, because he he identified. That's what part of the psychosis with this. He identified as a figure skater, so he thought, well, if I identify as one, I'll be able to skate. But the problem is, he doesn't know how to skate.
0: Yeah, well, um, the psychosis part of the psychosis is who's ever in charge of Finland's national figure skating program, who feels compelled to put the spectacle on ice. Um, to, to it, what it, you think this is like tolerance and this is affirming and this is a, a, a positive moment where we come together and celebrate something. This is could just completely asinine it gets more and more absurd just when you think it can't get more absurd finland rolls out a 50 year old dude who can't skate to be part of its national figure skating team
2: okay all right coming up on chicago's morning answer
0: we'll uh pour over the paul pelosi tape before we get to that uh, memphis police case at the top of the six o'clock hour so paul pelosi 538
2: and then later mayor please please stop We'll explain, but now into the newsroom we go. We missed you on Friday, but welcome back,
1: Mike.
5: Good to be back, and let's complete the sports trifecta, shall we? Yes. Hey,
1: Sam Ryder, never wear those pants again on a golf
0: course. Totally agree. He should be thrown off the tour. He should play in the LPGA. (laughs) Wait, what's his name? Sam Sam Ryder.
5: Guy who led going into the final round of the Farmers on Saturday. It Totally shot 75. Yeah, and it was was the pants pants that did it. it. Oh, my gosh. Eggplant. And... Short ankles and it was just awful. So there's your sports trifecta. Ooh, go, I right wouldn't there.
2: even wear. Ooh.
5: Yeah, there you go. Really bad. Listen to Dan and Amy on
1: your smartphone. Download the AM560 mobile app today at 560 slash mobile Only the biggest stories, only the biggest guests, and only the biggest opinions. This is AM560,
0: The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. So uh, on Friday, as uh, we advertised, the Paul Pelosi uh, police tapes were released, both the 911 call and uh, the police body cam footage when police showed up at Pelosi's home. And uh, let me start with a 911 call because, you know, this was uh, a source of controversy whether there was a real emergency. This was, this was reported as Paul Pelosi uh, being very cagey with dispatch, mm-hmm. trying to indicate there was a problem without tipping off the assailant in their home.
2: Right, Like speaking in code from the bathroom.
0: And- so, yeah, take a listen to what uh, that exchange between Paul and the dispatcher and see what you think. Please,
4: 74.
0: Oh, I guess I, I, guess I, I called by mistake. What is it?
4: seconds.
3: This is San Francisco Police. Do you need help?
7: Oh, well, there's a gentleman uh, here just waiting for my wife to come back. Nancy Pelosi. Uh, he's just uh, waiting for her to come back because she's not going to be here for a day, so I guess we'll have to wait. Hmm.
3: Okay, do you need police fire a medical for anything? Uh
7: I, I don't think so. I don't think so. Zero, two, twenty, three,
4: and fifty oh. eight
7: seconds. Yeah. Uh, there, there's the uh um is the Capitol police around two twenty. No, this they, is San Francisco. They're usually here they're usually here at the house protecting my wife. Uh, no, this is San Francisco police. Friday. I, I, no, I understand. Um, okay, well,
4: uh, I don't know. What do you think?
7: Uh, he thinks everything's good. Uh, I, I've got a problem, but he thinks everything's good.
3: okay. Call us back if you change your mind.
7: No, no, no. This, this gentleman just uh, came into the house uh, and he wants to wait here for my wife to come home.
3: Zero,
7: two, and so, uh and so, Anyway, he's on the email. Do
4: you know
3: who the person is?
7: No, I don't know who he is. He he uh, uh he has his told me he's, he's telling me not to uh, he's told me not to do anything.
3: What is your address, sir? Uh yeah,
7: twenty six
4: two, twenty five and zero. What is your name?
7: Uh, my name is Paul Pelosi. Friday, anyway, this, coma, this gentleman says 20, that, uh, 2, 000, 8, 7, he thinks you know, he's telling me to put the 0, phone down 20, and uh, just 20, do 20, what he says. Okay?
3: Okay, who, what's the gentleman's name?
7: I don't know. David what's that? My name's David. Da- the name is David.
3: Okay, and who is David? 20, I, I don't 30, know. I, what's
7: seconds. that? I'm a friend of theirs. Oh. Yeah, I, I, uh, he says he's a friend. But, I'm hey, but, you but, never, but you
3: don't know who he is?
4: 20, no, no, ma'am. Eight seconds.
7: Okay. He's telling me I'm being very leading, so i I got to stop zero talking to you, okay? Two, 20,
3: okay. 50, you sure I can seconds. stay on the phone with you just to make sure everything's okay?
7: No, he, he must he get the hell off the phone.
3: <laughs> zero,
4: two, 20, okay. Okay.
7: Thank you.
0: Seconds. Okay, bye. Uh the dispatcher is a little slow on the update there. Yeah, <laughs> you think? Think she's not
2: picking up the cues. Oh, what's your last name? Pelosi. He's waiting for my wife Nancy. Where's the Capitol police? Buzzwords. Hello. Jeez. Yeah, the
0: the whole the whole uh, <laughs> confusion about um the who, the Pelosi's <laughs> and uh where they live. There was sort of the same thing when they rolled up the police uh, because obviously she picked up enough of the cues there to send a squad car when the police rolled up this is um, they were like double checking that they had the right address and so yeah, on and I so forth that. like they don't they're not familiar with this home. I still don't understand why there wasn't a like a surveillance van outside Pelosi's house, which I think is fairly standard, whether she's there or not but uh, this is okay the police body cam, how it went down when they showed up, starting with the knock on the door and Paul Pelosi opening it.
8: Yeah. Fucking
9: said.
10: 2620, right? No, 2640. Oh. Yeah, it literally said that. Hi. Hey guys. How you doing? How are you? What's going on, man?
11: Everything's good. Hi. I
10: Drop know. the
4: hammer. Um, nope. Hey. Hey, hey, hey. What is Pardon going on? Right? I'm not getting an answer on Bro, the area.
11: I got him, Edward 14, Everton, back up, Code 3. Code
12: 3, back up at
4: 26. Give me your f***ing hand! Code Give me your f-ing 40 hand! ...40 Broadway for 14 hours. <laughs>
2: And then that's Pelosi snoring.
13: fourteen, Edwards, and medics go three as well.
2: I could see why Nancy did not want to watch that because I, you know, just felt like can somebody tend to his needs once you secure the suspect?
0: Well, they, I think they they did. They did but it just, you know, they did. You can contrast their handling, the San Francisco police handling of that matter versus Memphis, which we'll oh, get yeah. to at the top of the six o'clock hour, but. They subdued the suspect. It was just—and and then, obviously, you heard him call for aid. But um, it was just so bizarre. Pelosi opens the door, and DePape is standing next to him, holding his wrist.
2: With a hammer. I, I
0: know this was described, but then to see it and to confirm some of the description. And he's in his underwear. He's in his boxers, Paul Pelosi. And then when the, you heard the police say— once you put the hammer down, and he says nope, and then he just turns and thankfully, because I'm sure it was brutal, it was behind the the wall, so you couldn't see him when he hit Paul Pelosi with the hammer. But that's what he did, and then uh, you heard the police jump right in after that. Well, what, what did you make of all that?
2: I, I just, <clears throat> I you know, when they answered the door at first, it looked like there was something going on. They, they had some sort of a relationship because Paul was also holding a glass. And he looked very casual. You know what I mean? But yeah, everybody like handles stress boxers. differently. Yeah, but he did get, you know, he was sleeping at the time that the yeah. guy broke in. And you do mm-hmm. see footage of the guy using the hammer to break into the back window of the Pelosi home. And um, it just seemed, I mean, at least Paul Pelosi is the coolest cucumber under pressure or they had known each other. <laughs> but now I'm starting to realize after seeing that, that they did not know each other, that this was a and e and this is a crazy man. Who is not a Republican, not a Democrat. He's crazy, and he gained access to the home, which he should never have been able to do, ever have been able to do.
0: Yeah, I. I that's, I mean, that's it's the so part. Amazing. He
2: just walked in with you know, this, book just came in.
0: After hearing the call, it does sound like Paul Pelosi was trying to a deal with somebody who is unhinged and keep that person calm and follow orders. And it's just weird because you say, well, how could he get away with making that 911 call? Well, he's on the phone with 911 and then, and David DePap introduces himself to the dispatcher. I mean, so, so this is what you're, you know, this is, uh, he says he's a friend, but I don't know him. This is what you're talking, you know, this is what you're dealing with, with that DePap guy. So, um, yeah, it does seem like, uh, there's less to this than perhaps some of the, Questions that were uh, suggested when this all went down. Part of the reason, though, is because of the lack of directness about exactly what went what? down in the uh, in the immediacy of the incident and still unanswered questions about security detail uh, for the Pelosi household and uh, the sort of obtuseness of the first responders here and not knowing where this was happening and who this involved.
2: No, part of the reason for me why it's because of his DUI that he got a few months before, where we still don't know who was in the car with him. When his car—it wasn't just a, a fender bender. His car landed on top of somebody else's vehicle. I mean, and nobody there was, and they were so secretive about that. So I thought, oh no, this is happening. They're going to be secretive about this too.
0: Yeah, that's another part of it.
2: You no, know, they didn't say what bar he was at, they didn't say who he was drinking with, none of that, you know? I don't know.
4: Well
0: well, you know, sorry Paul Pelosi got hit in the head with a hammer and um glad he's gonna be okay and And get some know.
2: security folks. I mean he's well, well, two heartbeats in line to be president and there's there was nothing there. Nobody was there.
0: Well also I mean also just what about home security? What What? where's the home security? How does an oh. alarm not go off when he breaks in? Oh, you don't true. have home security on this multimillion dollar mansion in Pacific Heights and you're the you're you're you know you've got the speaker of the house sometimes so, uh, sometimes residing there I, so there's still some things that uh, about it are are a little bit weird uh i don't know but uh after hearing the 911 call and seeing what went down i can i get the point that this was an intruder that pelosi didn't know and there's nothing more nefarious about it at least at 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 uh, first blush, now that we have more of this information, okay, fine, all right moving on. We can't move on from the Pelosi's fast enough. Dan and Amy, Chicago's Morning Answer. It's what
1: Chicago is talking about. It's Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan and Amy on AM560, The Answer.
6: Business owners, now's the time for your business to make the move to a locally owned business bank. Hi, Mike Gallagher here to let you know that you don't have to look far. Signature Bank was founded in Chicago with a simple mission to help companies like yours grow, succeed, and thrive. Their decisions are made locally by a terrific team that knows your name, cares about your business, and invests in your success. That's why Signature Bank is my bank. I'm a customer. As business owners, they knew that local, family-owned businesses were not getting the help they needed or deserved.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy, just talking about uh, that uh, dude figure skating for Finland pretending to be a woman a little bit earlier in the show.
2: You know, I've watched it three times now uh, because it's funny. I'm trying to make everybody laugh around here. Have fun. Watch that tape because it's a I I can't believe they allowed it to happen. I mean, it's such a clown. We live in a clown world, Dan.
0: Pretty much, uh, I mean, again, that dude has to be 50 years old, right?
2: Uh, Or or maybe older, but not in shape, doesn't know how to skate, and is no lady.
0: We got some exclusive uh, audio of uh, him talking about uh, his routine before he went out there donning the Finnish flag to represent his native land. Skate to one
14: song, one song only. (laughs) Lady (laughs) Hump by the Black Eyed Bees.
15: What you going to do with all that junk, all that junk inside my trunk? I'm going to get you, get you drunk, get you drunk off my lady hump, my hump, my hump, my lovely lady hump.
0: I think it was a good song choice. <laughs> Don't you?
8: That's from
2: Blades of Glory. I know. Oh, and I, I love know. this
0: dude opposite Will Ferrell <clears throat> in Blades of Glory. He was excellent. Oh, uh, he was also Napoleon good... Dynamite, I believe.
2: Yes, he was. Mm-hmm. Such a good movie.
0: Um, but, uh, you know, you have to, you have to celebrate you have to pretend like what you're seeing is nothing out of the ordinary. Otherwise, you could lose your job. Be careful who you follow. Be careful who you like or what you retweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, a woman named Carolyn, a young lady, uh, was on Tucker Carlson's show the end of last week. She was a, uh employee at a small gaming company, yeah. and she lost her job for the crime of following libs of TikTok. Oh! <gasps> Not kidding. What? Because you had one customer from of this gaming company identify her as an employee, note that she was following things like libs of TikTok retweeting something that wasn't a trans allyship enough. <gasps> and so that customer started to troll her and the company online and say I'm not. I just bought a thousand. I mean, this is like a nobody. He's got like 3,400 followers. He, he. I bought a thousand dollars worth of stuff from your company. I'm not going to buy it anymore. And they couldn't stand up to the pressure of one customer trolling an employee online. Here's Carolyn uh, Tucker Carlson and Carolyn explaining.
16: It was tough to believe we live in a country where you could be fired from your job for having the wrong thoughts or reading unapproved political materials. But unfortunately, that is the country we're becoming. It happened to Carolyn. She used to work for a small games company called Limited Run Games. Then the mob found out that she followed certain forbidden Twitter accounts, including libs of TikTok. Now, this mob, and this is usually the case, was led by a single activist on Twitter along with a small message board called Reset Era. As a result of this mob action, Carolyn was fired. We oh, want to understand yeah. exactly why and what happened. Carolyn joins us tonight. Carol, thank you so much for coming on. Do we oversimplify that? So you followed the wrong people on Twitter and lost your job for it?
8: Um, to me, I think that's kind of the, the what sums it up. Um. The funny thing about it is it's accounts that I, I follow ca- accounts of every political um, yes. affiliation. And I'm the type of person who likes to see from every direction. And so I follow a, very, a variety of uh, accounts. Uh, the publicity that was getting it, um, that that was the main thing. They They had no qualms with who I followed or anything like that.
16: But you lost your job as a result of it.
8: Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, she's having a little trouble connecting the dots. So Tucker connects them for her. But um, yeah, that's that's how, I mean. So, so we talk about you talk about us living in a clown world. You know where we live now? Where? We live in a Seinfeld episode and we're all Kramer. It used to be parody. Now it's reality. We're all Kramer at the AIDS walk. Uh, uh,
3: Cosmo Kramer. Okay? You're checked in? Yeah, thank you. Here's your AIDS ribbon. Uh, no, thanks. You don't want to wear an AIDS ribbon? Uh, no, no.
2: But you have to wear an AIDS
16: ribbon. I have to? Yes. Yeah, see, that's why I don't want to.
2: But everyone wears the ribbon.
3: You must wear the ribbon. You
16: know what you are? You're a ribbon
12: bully. Hey!
4: Hey, you! Come back here! Come back here and put this on!
12: <laughs>
11: hey, where's your ribbon? Oh, I don't wear them. You don't wear the ribbon? Aren't you against AIDS?
15: Yeah, I'm against AIDS.
11: I mean, I'm walking, aren't I? I just don't wear the ribbon.
12: Who do you think you are? Put the ribbon on. Hey, Cedric, Bob, this guy won't wear
6: a ribbon. Who? Who doesn't want to wear the ribbon? (laughs) So, what's it going to be? Are you going to wear
3: the ribbon? No, never. But I'm wearing the ribbon. He's wearing the ribbon. We are all wearing the ribbon. So why aren't you going to wear the ribbon? This is America. I don't have to wear anything I don't want to wear.
0: What are we going to do with him? I guess
3: we're just going to have to teach him to wear the ribbon.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Better put your ribbon on. Listen to Dan and Amy on your smartphone. Download the AM560 mobile app today at 560theanswer.com. Mobile. This is Chicago's morning answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM 560. The answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy, as we previewed on Friday, Memphis police released four videos. Related to the police killing of Tyree Nichols. This happened uh, in early January. A traffic stop for reckless driving that escalated quickly. So let's just uh, run this uh, from the initial stop to the flight to the secondary stop and uh, talk about what happened. But I got to tell you, uh, it's much worse than I thought it was going to be. I saw, I mean, we, we you saw the photos of uh, Tyree Nichols in the hospital.
2: Oh, it was so sad.
0: And you knew he had taken a beating, but the question is why? You know, what did he do to contribute to the altercation with police that took place? And the answer generally is not much. I got to say, here's the first stop where they... Uh again, please stop him for reckless driving. Here's how that went. Get
4: the f got the
12: cup. Get, get the f got the f cut. Damn, I need hey, to do anything. Yo, f- hey, I didn't hurt you. F- Ground. All right. All right. All right. All right. On the ground. On the ground. All right. All right. All, the ground. On, all right. right. All right. All right. Hey, on, do that, okay? on, on all right. Okay. Okay, all right. Big, all right. Your all, your right, enc- right. all 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 right. All
4: right. All right. All right.
8: All right. 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 All
12: right. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Okay. I'm break your Okay, sh- okay I'm, dude, I'm to f- around. Put your hey, hands out, Put your hands on your back Quick. So okay. Stop, I'm gonna knock your Hey, out. you guys are really doing a lot right now. Bro, stop. lay down. Bro. I'm just trying to go home. Man, if you don't lay down, oh, I am on the ground. Put your hands on your stomach. stomach. I I plan. Plan. I'm, I'm sorry. I got him. Sorry.
6: Sorry. Stop! I'm not doing it. Please.
2: And he runs away, Uh, and they're running
16: after him
5: twenty nine thirty eight where it rains and
13: Ross. Taser was deployed. Suspect is running down Ross.
0: So they pull him out of the car and he is on the ground (laughs) and he's, he's, you know, sort of looking back at them on the ground. You see both of his hands. So you see he doesn't have a weapon and he's not reaching for one. And uh, and then they're trying to get him on his stomach get his hands behind his back so they can cuff him. Yeah. And that doesn't happen. There's multiple officers there.
2: Yeah, there's four officers there.
0: And he runs away. Then they tase him, and the, and he gets stuck with at least one of the prongs of the taser, but that doesn't stop him. He gets away.
2: Takes off his shirt and then keeps running. But uh, I, now, the thing is, when they were so angry and agitated. When they first pulled up on the scene, I mean, there obviously have anger management issues. And I want to know how they were trained because I think there was absolutely no training of these police officers. That is not normal. What did so, he do to, to get that kind of reaction from cops?
0: So before we get to the secondary stop where mm-hmm. he was beaten, um, former New York, New York City Police Department inspector Paul Morrow on exactly that issue. How they first Jeez. reacted when they pulled him over? to their minds.
15: Yeah, I mean it looks way over aggressive, right? So you know the the very sort of quick shorthand for police work is generally ask, tell, make, right? You you ask for compliance, you tell if you're not getting it, and you're in uh, you know legal standing, and uh, then you make if you have to. They went right to make. I don't see any por- portion here where there was an approach that was th- not anything but DEFCON 5 right away. From what I've seen in the footage, they approach the car, they're screaming, they yank them out of the car. There's no effort at any sort of de-escalation. In fact, the only person who seems to be de-escalating is Tyree. So... It speaks of an approach here that seems to be intrinsic to the unit. There's something in the culture of the unit. I'm not going to talk about Memphis uh, Memphis PD writ large. I don't know that, and that's obviously something that's going to be looked at. But in light of the way they do the initial approach, obviously the way the entire encounter was handled and then in the aftermath when they're fist bumping, et cetera. Yeah. It really does speak to the idea that there was a lack of training, a lack of supervision and a culture that had developed within this unit. That is exactly what you don't want in police work.
0: So they catch him uh, the second time mm. and um, they're still trying to subdue him. And uh, he is on the ground, and these guys can't seem to get him hands behind his back and cuffed. It takes a long time.
2: Well, they tell him numerous times, I stopped counting at 12, like, put your hands behind your desk. Give us your hands. Get on, you know, put your stomach on the ground.
0: So they're okay. unable to do that. And then the beating begins, including with a cop. Two cops are trying to wrangle him and get his hands behind his back and cuff him. And a third cop comes out. And he whips out a, a blackjack. They call it a baton. Looked mm. more like a blackjack to me. Uh, and he starts striking Tyree Nichols with the blackjack while he's on the ground, while these other two cops are trying to get ostensibly uh, trying to get his hands behind his back and, his, his back and get him cuffed.
4: <laughs>
0: hey, I'm wife, you, hey, Give me your hand! Give
4: me your hand! Give
0: me your You might you get
6: sprayed again! Hey, Mike! Give me hand. Hey, bro! Mom. Watch
2: out! Watch out! Watch out. He's running home.
12: Give me my hands, mom! Mom! Hey! Give me hands! Give me! Hand. Okay, all right, all right. All right. Okay. All right. All right. What? Huh? Hey, give me your hands, bro! Give me your hands! What's up? Spray your eyes again. Hey, give me your hands, bro. Spray. All right. Give me your hands, bro. Right, right. Right. Give your hand, bro. Okay. Oh, Give me your hands.
4: Oh. Oh. oh, Give me
0: your hands. And while he's yelling for his mom and as he's writhing on the ground after being hit with the blackjack... Hey. Then you have uh, more cops on the scene, and one comes up while he is writhing on the ground, and you've got multiple cops over him, and essentially takes, like, a two-step start and kick starts kicking him.
2: No, it's so brutal. <inaudible> I'm
9: I'm a Give me
6: Watch out. I'm a baton of. the f*** is. Watch out. Watch out. Watch out. Give us your hands! Give us your, your hands!
12: Same location.
7: Why the character? there? Why the
4: character? What's that? What's Give me your hand?
2: hand! Give me your hand! Give me your hand! Give me your hand! Delirious.
9: Right. Ross and Castlegate. All
2: right, these are big dudes. They're five guys that are huge, and he's six foot three, one hundred and forty-five pounds because he has Crohn's disease. And I mean, it's it's just it's, it's sickening to watch what they did with them. They, there's no training here. There's no. It's inhumane what they were doing. But they were so, so amped up. Can't you feel that when you're watching the video? Like, God, these guys are fixing for a fight.
0: So they, ha- they get him cuffed and they pull him over to the car and sit him back up to the car. And then he's, after the beating he took, he's sort of falling over to his right. Yeah. They, he gets back up, you know, just sitting down. Then he sort of falls over to the left. And uh, meanwhile, about 20 minutes passes before paramedics show up on the scene to render aid. That's another problem. And then the cops are, you know, by the way, at um, you went from three cops to five cops to ten cops yeah. milling about the scene there for the different periods of time.
2: And they're talking, you know, to each other. He must be high on something. He's got to be on something. Another cop says, yeah, he grabbed my gun. He tried to grab my gun. Yeah, that was trying this, to establish this pol- the
0: reason. This, yeah. So let's listen to that. Okay. The police officer saying that.
6: Everybody that's popular. he's right. Hip he jump
9: up. That's the taste. Cool. He, he was going for and he Then he was going for a gun too. So I'm like, he man. grabbed, he grabbed, he white grabbed gun a gun on the, the like, That's long as i have
5: been in a minute. Bro. Man, You oh. got it
9: in his back pocket. no wallet. Man, this, I ain't even look. We got him out the car. We was like, hey bro, you good? Swarm. Wow, almost hit me. He you reach for Mark gun, you know he slammed to the car, yeah. and you
12: were know, on you know. wow. he literally had his hand on Mark gun, like that right. mother. I don't know what that might show.
0: Before you get uh too excited about the assertion that he went for the officer's gun, he nearly had his hand on the officer's gun. Let's go back to New York former New York City Police Department inspector Paul Morrow on that statement.
15: It's hard to see at various points at the end who they're talking to. Um, there is one uh, snatch of the video that does appear like one of the officers seems to be trying to explain away what's occurred. He might have some intimation of the fact that they went way too far. Remember, they know that they're on body cam, which is really astounding if you think about it, that they felt free to do this while they know that they're, be- they're being filmed. Mm-hmm. Um, but he seems to be explaining himself at that point, And, you know, I'm sure that the prosecutors are going to look very closely at that body cam to see at any point if tyree reached for the gun i didn't see that i will tell you that i didn't see that either (laughs) no it's it's uh, not there i don't think it was there
0: either at least from the videos that were released and not only did you have the body cam videos but you had about a, a, a 30 minutes worth of a pole cam video that was directly across the street from that second stop where all of these beatings occurred didn't see it uh additionally on the issue of well he they kept saying give me your hands, give me your hands, and he wasn't complying, and so they had to get more aggressive. This could be an argument that's made, probably will be made with the police. Uh, former, uh, for the police, former Los Angeles Police Department detective, Timothy Williams, he addressed the give me your hands piece.
8: And right. you got five officers out there, five plus officers out there, and these were burly men. If a burly, if these guys couldn't, Turn him over, get him handcuffed. They're they're in the wrong profession. Um, it was easy to get him to turn over, get him handcuffed, sit him up, and be and be done with it. Um, the the tasing uh, was excessive. The the um, chasing him down and beating him, kicking him, punching him, um, um, hitting him with a metal asp baton was excessive and um that's not how you're trained that's not how you train in the academy um and I've handled cases nationwide and these are the issues that come up from time to time in the cases that i've handled as it relates to excessive force
0: three one two six four two fifty six hundred turnkey dot answer line six four six three six d a turnkey pro text line on the issue of training. <laughs> Fox News reporting two of the five officers who were fired and charged with the fatal beating of Tyree Nichols were hired after the department loosened its hiring requirements. Uh, they joined the force in 2020. It was experienced a major staffing crunch and it dropped the requirement that recruits recruits have an associate's degree or 54 college credits. Um, now, uh, that's not nec- that doesn't necessarily speak to if you're properly trained. Uh, The ability to be a qualified police officer who handles a situation like that properly in a de-escalatory manner rather than the way it was handled there. But nonetheless, uh, defund the police and the antagonism towards police by civil civilian political authorities. And you have trained officers leaving the force and they loosen the standards to bring in people who they can get to wear the uniform. That's part of the conversation, too. Of course, uh, just because the five officers charged in his death are black doesn't mean that racism isn't afoot. Of course, you're going to get this from the professional race hustlers out there, like Obama suck toy Van Jones, who had this to say in his role as a CNN agitator.
14: Yeah, I think it's really important because – There's this very simplistic notion that says, well, if a white cop is doing something uh, to an unarmed black person, then that's racism. Um, But we sometimes forget, unfortunately, um, uh, African-Americans can also be guilty of hatred and bias and bigotry against other African-Americans. Sometimes you go into a store that's owned by an African-American, they're nice to the white folks and suspicious of you. Uh, It's it's, it's not that only one group uh, can harbor anti-black bias. It's, It's so pervasive. And so the other thing that happens is, Certain neighborhoods uh, are just considered almost by some police departments, war zones. Anything goes over there. You know, just do what you have to do. And so black officers can pick up on those kinds of cues, those kinds of signals when nobody gets in trouble for acting a certain way in this neighborhood versus in a white neighborhood. So uh, race is an element here. I can't imagine any police officers delivering that kind of brutal beating uh, to a white male u uh, s citizen can you imagine if you had five black officers doing that it's just it 's very hard to, to imagine I think what has happened is we 've uh, become accustomed uh, black and white officers to a certain amount of inhumanity being directed in certain neighborhoods uh, with certain suspects, and you saw that play out today
2: certain suspect he wasn 't armed he wasn 't come on
14: he 's talking about black All
2: right black i know well
14: is yeah. that right
0: is what van Jones said is right it 's just uh, p- officers policing. Neighborhoods where there is endemic crime just lose their humanity. Uh, Many of these are disproportionately black neighborhoods, and so whether it's black uh, black men in uniform or white men in uniform, uh, this is what happens. And so they're all they all fall prey to this anti-black bias because of the neighborhoods they police.
2: I mean, all weekend long. This is driven by racism, white supremacy. I mean, it's black on black. I don't understand.
0: Ron on the south side, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer.
12: Hey, good morning. You you know, Amy, I know you mentioned training. Uh, Those are just savages, period. And we don't have to extrapolate out and try to explain it by racism, and any of these other factors. So you know what? Just savages. All the training in the world would not have prevented. Mm, I it. disagree.
2: It, I disagree. Well, They teach you, you know, how to, you've got to control your emotions if you're going to, first of all, decide to even get into the
12: business Amy, or the line of work that they're yes? in. Amy, there's plenty of fields where people are properly trained, and guess what? They do not adhere to that, okay? Uh, go go, across any industry, any field, okay? Mm-hmm. And people don't. There are people who have no concern for, for laws or even humanity. So that's just, I mean, unless you can show me that they didn't receive proper training, I come to the conclusion that they are savages. Have a good day.
0: I mean, I wonder, too, on. if they've
2: done this before. I kept thinking, like, I don't know if this is their first time doing this.
0: Well, the Scorpion unit, this uh, special tactical unit they were a part of, uh, not only are they no longer a part of it, the unit doesn't exist. It's been disbanded. Right. So there's certainly a performance review and a, uh, that's ongoing within the Memphis Police Department. Tony and Roselle, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer.
12: Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. <clears throat> I'd like, I would like for Van Jones to look up the case of Kelly Tomlinson. Thomas, a homeless guy, white guy that was beaten as badly as Tyreek was out in California uh, 10 years ago. Um, I wasn't aware of the facts of his case. I never knew he existed because I've never seen any coverage of his beating. But it, it's, it's caught on tape, the same sort of cameras, everything. It's the same sort of event for Van Jones to say, you know, he couldn't possibly imagine. It does happen, but there is almost no media outcry. There's no race hustling. There's no people on his side. Kelly Thomas died a horrible death, and it's a name that you never hear about.
0: Yeah, that's right. Thanks for the call, Tony. I know the case, and it was Fullerton, California police that uh, beat yeah. Kelly Thomas to death. This is a homeless man with schizophrenia. That's right. Happened.
2: And here at home, I mean, race hustlers, Rainbow Push, they want a DOJ you know, to conduct an investigation. But remember that white officer in the first stop? They want him. To pay,
12: There was, in fact, on video, a white officer who some believe was in supervisory position who tased Tyree Nichols and has yet to be charged, has yet to be terminated, and is yet to be identified.
0: Yeah, well, this isn't over. There's a couple of other deputies that have already been relieved of their duty, uh, and there could be more charges. We don't know yet. There could be a DOJ investigation. We don't know yet. Um, but this is... Grasping at straws, which is what race hustlers like right. those at Rainbow Rainbow Push and what Van, and Van Jones do. I agree that he shouldn't have been tased. That was an overreaction. The whole initial stop was an overreaction, and then it was even a bigger overreaction when they got him after chasing him down.
2: Oh, I don't. I disagree. I think the white officer tased him. He was running away. He, at least he didn't pull out his weapon and shoot him. I mean, they had to stop him.
0: You disagree with what? He should I have think, been tased? I
2: think he should have been tased. He was Why? running away from the scene, and they couldn't. Obviously, these guys weren't in good physical shape to chase after him, so they used their taser.
0: They, they should have never come to that because they had him on the ground, and they should have been able to get him right. cuffed uh, before it, it went there. So, no, the whole thing from the very moment they rolled up on his car was over the top. The entire thing. So, yeah, I, I, I'm i fine with the officers that were involved in the initial stop being disciplined, too.
2: Text message, not a training issue, just bad, dirty cops.
0: Well, and here's the thing. I mean, this is uh, th- this shameful episode casts a pall over law enforcement nationally mm-hmm. because of the way it's going to be hustled by people like Van Jones and and the poverty pimps at Rainbow Push. And so. You you need to hear from retired police like the NYPD inspector you heard from, like the former LAPD detective you heard from, because we need to keep a sense of proportion here because, of course, these defund the police, decarcerate criminals, Marxists in charge of the criminal justice system in so many big cities are going to use this to inflame passions and prompt people to lose a sense of proportion and a sense of understanding about how frequent or more to the point, infrequent uh terrible conduct like what you saw on those videos occurs. Philip, Blue Island.
9: Um This young man came to a stop at a stoplight and was immediately assaulted without, uh, uh, turn your car off, let me get your license and your insurance, and and then from there, there was not a good cop to be found for the rest of the night for him.
0: I yeah, agree. I agree. He
9: was, he was there. And again, so this whole idea of good cops, even in Rodney King, we, we were able to sit back and watch not one good cop, good episode. And then other words, you know, we don't have to go through all the names. But I'm just saying, in this instance, it don't matter if you got on blue. That's who you with, right? And then that whole misnomer, to protect and serve. They always show up late. They don't really protect our neighborhood. You know, so there's a lot of things that's going on here. But the real thing is that this whole ideal of the cops, went out of all of this thing, when he was just slumping over, when there was nobody... Support this guy sitting up after they beat him to death. I know.
2: I mean, there's no Chicago. compassion, no sense of urgency. Even when paramedics arrive, they're talking, and it just is so frustrating to watch.
1: You've made the switch, and it feels so good. You switched to Chicago's Morning Answer an AM560, The Answer. If you're looking for the latest news, insight into what it means, and the sharpest opinion, there's only one station in Chicago where you can turn, and it's this one. We're AM560,
0: The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy, talking about uh, the Memphis police killing of Tyree Nichols. Taking your calls, 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line. And um, just a point of emphasis for me is the call for a nationwide response from law enforcement. To this indefensible killing of Tyree Nichols, because and, and you're getting some of it. I'm not saying that's not happening. You're getting some of it. You heard uh, clips from former LAPD LAPD detective, former NYPD inspector, uh, on the topic, on the case, and the larger issues. But if you don't get that, what fills that void? What fills the void is BLM Marxists, inflaming passions, pushing on reason. That makes good policing that much more difficult, and further degrades the public safety to which law-abiding individuals are entitled, including, perhaps most prominently, in these crime-ridden neighborhoods in major cities around the country, which are disproportionately black neighborhoods. Those are just the facts. And uh, Philip and Blue Island called before the break. It said, you know, they don't uh, they don't provide. Uh, policing in our neighborhoods and so on and so forth well um mixed messages in terms of who desires policing in the neighborhoods and who doesn't the residents of these neighborhoods the law-abiding residents of the neighborhoods, want police we saw this play out over and over again from the summer of love in 2020 quote-unquote to the present the opposition coming from those neighborhoods to things like defund the police but um you have others that want to make this a race issue, as I said, inflaming passions and leading people to make conclusions that are just not supported by the facts. And by
2: all accounts, Tyree Nichols, just so you know, father of a four-year-old son, worked at FedEx with his stepdad. That's why he was back. He lived in California, and he moved back to Memphis to, to start a new career, and everybody loved him. I mean, his coworkers... Yeah, he was a skateboarder. He loved photography, and that's what he was out doing, you know, the night that he was pulled over for some reason. And we still don't really know why he was pulled over.
0: Well, it was a reckless driving uh Well, they assertion. say that, but what? Uh, so his father, so in the terms of the protests that occurred over the weekend, uh, mostly peaceful.
2: Well, one New York City squad car's windshield got busted in.
0: There were arrests in New York. Uh, this is what uh, Tyree Nichols' dad said in advance of this weekend.
9: More importantly, we want peace. We do not want any type of uproar. We do not want any type of disturbance. We want peaceful protests. That's what the family wants. Uh, That's what the community wants.
0: Um, Which is striking uh, exactly the right tone, but this is what you got from the Black Lives Matter crew in Memphis, for example.
12: Get them out. No them
4: crooked ass them
12: crooked ass No
4: justice,
0: no, them ass. Mm-hmm. no justice. F them crooked ass police. No justice, no peace. Reprising the Maxine Waters mantra from the L.A. riots. Uh huh. And
2: there was a bunch, a number of smash and grabs in Memphis, which you know, and then they shut down traffic on I-55 on the bridge from Memphis to Arkansas. But uh, you didn't really see any of the smash and grabs that happened in Memphis on Socialist media.
0: A uh, security detail Spice of the Socialist Spice Girls. That would be Cori Bush out of St. Louis. Mm-hmm. She put out a statement, charging the officers who brutalized Tyree is not enough. Our country will continue to sanction the taking of black lives with impunity until it embraces an affirmative vision of public safety and dismantles its racist policing system rooted in enslavement and control and government control. And let's be clear, merely diversifying police forces will never address the violent, racist architecture that underpins our entire criminal legal system. The mere presence of black officers does not stop policing from being a tool of white supremacy. This is what I'm talking about when the race hustlers purposely uh, attempt to prey on the ignorant and spread ignorance, whether it's Cori Bush or Van Jones or the Rainbow Push Gang, or whoever. It's completely unhelpful, which is why you need to hear from people that are measured and rational and uh, are offering uh, the appropriate reaction to what happened to Tyree Nichols, while also providing the larger context about policing. Don't let this be uh, an an incident that takes us back down a rabbit hole where the response to something that shouldn't have happened is to foment more of what shouldn't happen. The response to inappropriate violence is more inappropriate violence, fomenting more inappropriate violence? I don't think so.
2: Jamal Hill tweeted, several of the police officers who murdered Freddie Gray were black. The entire system of policing is based on white supremacist violence.
0: Right, it's just that they're, they're repeating the same talking right, point because yeah. that's what they do. Right. By the way, something else, too, about this... Uh, um, the idea that uh, this only happens in neighborhoods where police have been allowed to be aggressive—anything goes because there's a high incidence of violent crime in particular neighborhoods—is that what's happening? That—that's just statement. I, I don't hear people challenging the premise of that statement. Well, let me challenge it. That's not what—that's ha- not what's happening. That's not what ha- what's happening. Anything goes in these neighborhoods i in point of fact, with police, in point of fact, it's more like anything goes with the people, the criminals operating in these neighborhoods. Do, do, you, do you, you look at what happens in Chicago on a weekly basis? Do you see a lot of people that are afraid of the Chicago police? As they're doing their, you know, rush, rush, uh, spin out car, spin out rallies as they're. Uh, I mean, drive through any of these neighborhoods, and everybody's going ninety miles an hour uh yeah what, the the uh, the condition of their car is a question mark in terms of is it street legal, do they have registration, do they have licenses so on and so forth you 're not doing police stops no. if anything if anything it's a hands off approach that's been taken by police at the behest of. BLM Marxists like Cory Bush or Van Jones and they le- they're letting anything go on right. which is why you have 2000 car thefts in 22 days in Chicago and 700 murders a year each of the last 3 and so on and so forth And
2: now they're stealing from cop cars five catalytic converters were stolen from SUVs CPD SUVs
0: John Wakanda you're on Chicago's morning answer
11: Thanks for taking my call. Uh, A couple of points. One, it was excessive and deadly force. Ten ten boots and police gear, that was deadly force. I think it was probably a level of frustration and a gang mentality that hit those five guys over, you know, being on the job. But the main point that, that Dan is making is about the media basically together with the progressive left. They've encouraged resistance to police authority, which this victim did do. We don't know why, but he did. He just kept running could have been freaked out. Media and the progressive left financially and through words, supports and does not reject a culture in the urban community, which they do. They refuse to detach from each other. They give it value it doesn't deserve. And what Crump said transfers also to actual felons. So we reduce the laws, it's a circle. It's not white supremacy. It's continued disrespect for authority. And that also, and and when the people that want to join that force see that there's continued disrespect, it doesn't attract quality individuals. Maybe they should be retired after a while if they burn out. But I just think it's the it's a, it, it's the progressive left in the media which fuels the circle, and and they highlight the the the, the instances where it's like a, a more of an innocent person, and downplay the felons, but it's all lumped in together, and the people are. are are lashing out at one thing when they should be just kind of focusing on different aspects of it. Sorry if it was too wordy, but
0: yeah, no, thanks for the call, John. Well, I mean, you know, we've talked about this before how they lump in any uh, police involved killing. They lump all the cases together. They say their names and they say, you know, you say all the names of these high profile cases and the cases are very different. In some cases, it was completely unjustified, and there should be legal consequences for police. In other cases, there wasn't. Freddie Gray, for example, since that was invoked, right? There's no nobody was convicted in that case. No. Um, so you know that's the, it's a good point that John makes about sort of lumping it in all together: the innocent who were victimized by police, and those who were not innocent. And escalated a situation that resulted in their death and also there were no legal consequences to the officers because the, uh, the person who failed to comply or escalated uh, – failed to comply or, or, uh, or was the aggressive actor with police was not justified in how they behaved. But it's all lumped together because they're trying to tell a story right. about policing in America that isn't true.
2: So I just can't get over how angry those officers were, and they were just and they were not good at their job. I mean one of them had to take wrestling or something. I mean they, how did they not get a hold of the situation?
0: Steve, Western burbs.
16: Hey, um, you know, looking at the situation, everybody was ready to you know say that these uh, you know police officers were bad and and uh, before the story broke out and we found out there was same race. You know, um, they were they were ready to just lynch, you know, hey, bad police, bad, bad white guys. bad. And then now the question is, wait, same race? Is there is there such a thing as same race racism? Uh, Who knows? The left says so.
0: Right. It's it's blue versus black, not not black in uniform or white in uniform uh, that makes, versus that's, yeah. that's 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 their essential argument and the whole system of policing is rooted in white supremacy so it doesn't matter if it's a black man or a white man carrying out their duties as a police officer they're all part of this you know uh, blue on black that's part, propagation I mean, that's of white supremacy. I, Thanks for the yeah, call, well, Steve. Uh, Mike Barrington. Morning, Dan and Amy.
9: Um, you know, there's reports that are coming out that. This may be related more to Memphis's hiring practices being lowered to have more minority officers. That the actions that they took are so over the top, despicable. One's left to believe that they probably weren't capable of being good cops to begin with, and and it has a lot to do with the fact that they've lowered hiring practices. I'd look. I'd love to see somebody come in and. Investigate that and subpoena some stuff from from memphis p d to to see what kind of a employee they were actually hiring in the first place,
0: yeah, thanks for the call, Mike Some of that's come out. We mentioned two of the five officers charged uh, were hired after uh, the hiring standards were relaxed because the Memphis police force was down officers
2: we did that here in Chicago. I was at that press conference where we did the same with the same um, new uh not restrictions but the same new um rules in place if you want to become a police officer.
0: Well and then you have, you have to, then right. you have to you have to go to the police chief and the mayor too and the city council, the police chief, Sarah Lynn Davis, she's a black female. Right. So what she, might fired, she presided right. over the relaxing of standards. She presided over the scorpion unit. So what does she say about it? I mean you have to go to the people that are in charge of the department. Right. Both the both law enforcement as well as civilian.
2: But don't be lackadaisical in your training hours. You know that's what I want to find out too,
0: Chuck Dellen.
12: You know you got the blue police officer shirts in Chicago, and then a guy with the white shirt. That's like uh you know people think that's a higher up, but that's they give you the white shirt after you've had a hundred thousand. You can prove you ate in a hundred thousand donuts. Uh, <laughs> Chuck, I no wait 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 no. wait wait. I, why do they let these guys? They were so big and fat. People should make their police officers not be big and fat. Otherwise, all they have the alternative is that they can't get close enough to the guy to do the taser, all they can do is fire a couple warning shots into his legs. Mm, i yeah, watched the video. You can yeah, tell. We're, we're, you this can this tell isn't
0: Dirty hair, but yeah, going. okay.
12: Well, the guy, when the guy started running, it was like, oh, well, he ran like 20 yards and he was out of breath already. Yeah.
2: I oh, know. no, there was a back lot back of puffing of and puffing going on. Yeah, A lot of it, like, (gasps) and I know some of them were, you know, pepper sprayed and that agitated one to the point that's when he got out of the baton and said, I'm going to blank you up with
0: this. Well, the point, the larger point is the physical standards of police be held to physical standards so that uh, something like this doesn't require hitting people. And it didn't require hitting people with a blackjack. You can, especially when you have overwhelming force brought to bear, you've got multiple police officers. You can and you have a a frightened uh, suspect, you can quickly get his hands behind his back and have him arrested so that he's safe and everybody's safe and the, the situation is processed normally as opposed to what happened. That's a fair point in terms of physical standards. John in Bridgeport. Oh, Dan, hello, Amy. Uh,
13: Amy, don't forget, you got that follow-up to do from what I reported to you last uh, this Yeah, last I inquired
0: about that.
2: Um, just, can you hold, after you talk, can you hold sir, or give your number to Quinn so I can call you about
11: that? Sure, no problem.
13: Okay, thanks. Um, hey, guys, real quick, regarding the taser policy, you got to understand something, that that officer might be able to reasonably articulate why he used the taser even though it doesn't, it never looks good when someone gets tased. He might have been in. He might have been in the. by the moment where being a, using a taser under departmental rules in Memphis was okay, I just don't want the rights of the police officer to be thrown out
8: the window because it all because it looks bad on video. That's no, all I'm telling
0: it, you guys. Yeah, I, I hear you. They'll get due process to which they're entitled, but you know, based on what's in the video, it looks really bad for the police officers. It's, I don't really see much defense to how the situation was handled from the initial stop to the secondary one. Dan and Amy, Chicago's Morning Answer.
1: You've made the switch, and it feels so good. You've switched to Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Uh, Jim Jordan, chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, sat down with that yapping little terrier, Chuck Todd, on Meet the Press this weekend to he, talk about uh, his investigations, the investigations his committee is embarking upon.
2: It really is unwatchable sometimes. Ugh, I mean, it's, it's so, terrible. it's like nails on a chalkboard.
0: He's uh, he, he is such a so mouthpiece for the left's nonsense across a range of topics which they covered for example on uh, school boards and investigating the fbi's uh, designation of uh, pta moms and dads who would protest uh, curriculum decisions or COVID policy as suspect terrorists Uh, chuck
16: todd said the following and jim jordan reacted school board members were getting death threats These weren't idle things. These weren't parents just yelling and screaming. These were actual death threats to elected officials. And the FBI got a tip. How do they not, should they not look into a death threat when an elected official gets a death threat? school board writes a letter on uh, September 29th. Five days later, the Attorney General of the United States issues a memorandum to 101 U.S. Attorney's Office around the country saying, set up this this line that they can report on. 16 days later, Chuck, the Mm -hmm. FBI sends out an email to... Agents all across the country say, put this designation on parents reported on the snitch line that the, the attorney general set up. So all that happens, think about it. September 29th, October 4th, October mm-hmm. 20th of 20. That all happens in 22 days. When have you ever you, seen the federal you know government was, move that fast? Okay. 25 parents. There are actual death
1: threats. Understand. But literally. Understand,
16: this is, Chuck, but let me just finish this. this is, 25 <laughs> parents get reported on that snitch line. They all get investigated. FBI shows up at their door. Guess how many have been charged? How many have been charged? Yeah. Zero. Then the FBI did a show up. Did the like, FBI not do its job. You don't think it, it, okay, if they so were trumping something what? up, wouldn't they be arresting? Somebody? What did the people, I mean, you're, trying trying the people a, you're trying to create a uh, you're trying no. to create a controversy out of the FBI following up a tip. I mean, literally, what?
0: Chuck Todd is an idiot. You're, you're, we're talking about uh, scarce FBI resources being used to go after a whole suspect class that was manufactured by the FBI and for which there has been no basis to expend those resources. Oh, a Uh, a threat somebody says something stupid on facebook and so the fbi sends tactical units you get knocks on your doors and jim jordan also made the point yeah look um the fbi knocking on people's doors because of a social media post or because one parent says something that is untoward um, but there's no real basis to believe that there's any seriousness to it it's just hyperventilating and you get a knock on the door from the fbi that has a chilling effect well, I better not step out of line. I better not question the local school board, otherwise Merrick is going to send an FBI agent to have a conversation with me. I don't it's want to deal with the FBI. Form of silencing the parents. T- totally and Chuck Todd is being uh transparently Pollyannish, performatively so. Uh, another uh topic that was covered was well, why don't you investigate Trump? Uh, you, you're investi- you doing all these you're launching all these investigations into the Biden administration. What about Trump? It's like, what about Trump? Oh, no. You've done nothing but the 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 various uh, agencies of the state have done nothing but investigate the guy for seven years. How much more investigating can we do?
2: Two impeachments, countless lawsuits, uh, countless investigations. Here
0: are your taxes, then nothing comes yeah, yeah. to the taxes. I mean, it's just, it's so dishonest. And then uh, this on uh, Chuck Todd's conclusion about the Durham investigation, which actually is wholly false and I wish Jim Jordan would have said so
16: the Durham investigation investigated everything you're trying to investigate and came up with nothing do you not trust Bill Barr and, and Mr. Durham the Mueller investigation we had two and a half years of this and they were going to find Russian collusion and guess what they can't. even though Adam, it, Schiff but, but, us, Adam Schiff told, but, told they, us Adam Schiff said but that the Durham investigation did, did not come up with any they investigated all this all these concerns that you had about the FBI, about made-up snitches, all these things, they didn't find anything. Why is it that you want anything? to reinvestigate rein- rein- it? They found that Kevin Smith altered documents, and he pled guilty to it. That's fine. And so, when you got someone with the FBI altering documents in front of the FISA court, that's not finding anything? <laughs> that's pretty, pretty important, that Chuck. That's, they and that's they what we're not look- find what you are claiming that is out there.
0: That's not true. In point of fact, Holman Jenkins writes about it in the Wall Street Journal today, and I won't get into the details, but... Um, at his piece, which is very good, and it gets into a lot of names that are not well known, so I, I won't bother with the details. You could read Holman Jenkins' piece yourself. But John Durham finds Russia Gates' Rosetta Stone. For Greg Trump, it all began with Hillary Clinton's server and the fake Russian intelligence. Uh, Jenkins concludes his piece thusly Seven years have given us the perspective to see something if we are willing to see it. Listen up, Chuck. The FBI's intervention in the Hillary Clinton case launched the agency on a new role as a continuous actor in our presidential politics, with no end in sight unless society makes a deliberate effort to return our securocrats to their proper sphere. Didn't find anything. You couldn't find something more fundamental about the FBI's conduct over the last three cycles, and Jim Jordan made that point. And not, just, not just 18, 20, and 22, but go all the way back to sixteen. For more on this topic and uh, a few others, including, of course, Russia and Ukraine. Please to be joined uh, for a weekly conversation with Jim Carafano. He is the vice president of the Catherine and Shelby Cullom Davis Institute for International Studies at the Heritage Foundation. Author of "Brutal War: Jungle Fighting in Papua New Guinea, 1942." Jim, thanks for joining us.
10: Did you Did you miss me?
0: We did <laughs> terribly.
10: Hey, um. You know what the, the to me the most interesting thing about that the back and forth you just played of, you know this is the the shape of things to come. Jim Jordan is no Adam Schiff. Jim Jordan is a serious guy that knows his stuff and has commanded the facts and and oversight is going to deliver a lot of really tough information uh, that I think you know both the media and and uh, the president uh, and his use of federal agencies is going to have a tough time dealing with. So if if, Todd, if Chuck Todd think he had a, he thinks he had a tough time today, it is not going to get better for him. The only thing I'll say, too, is, is it also shows the fecklessness of American media. So I was, in, um, I was in Rome and Athens last week, and both the Greeks and Italians are not only great uh, bilateral partners for the United States. They deeply follow American politics. And one of the things that I was talking about and was explaining was – what happened in the Congress in the test for for leadership in the Congress, and explaining how this was kind of redistributing power um, and uh, really taking almost you know taking the House back to the more traditional role that the House plays in our in our federal system in such analysis, and people looked at me like they had never heard any of this, right? That all the, all they had was this manic narrative that, that the Republican Party was, you know, feasting, you know, cannibal style on, you know, on, on people right. in the hallways. And and they were shocked to discover that there was more to this than what they were reading in, in, in or getting from the American media.
0: Well, I'm sure that uh, P.M. Maloney in Italy is not shocked because she seems to have a pretty good handle on how the ruling class operates, whether it's in Europe or here.
10: Well, you know, the, one of the real interesting things there, of course, is, you know, um, You know, coming out of the box, it was, you know, prove to me you're not a fascist, Prime Minister Maloney. And this was actually manufactured by uh, Brussels, by people in Brussels, throughout to basically libel her reputation. Of course, it was immediately echoed in the American press, and it fell flat for a number of reasons. First of all, um, this is an incredibly effective government. The second is, Italians had no use for this narrative. It just stood out of hand. And and so it kind of all fell apart in, in the last... You know, in, in in a couple of weeks. And and she's actually now one of the rising political forces in Europe. And to me, this is what's, you know, I always tell people don't mirror image Europe and the United States because we, we tend to look at each other and, and see our politics in them. But I'll tell you what's absolutely true. United States, America is a 50 50 country. We have two people with very different visions for the future of this country fighting over the future. And Europe is increasingly looking looking like that. The rise of European conservatives of, of many colors and stripes challenging the, the, the iron control of the Euro federalists in Europe is real, and it's happening, uh, and, and we see it every day. So we, we just saw the government in Greece survive a no-confidence uh, no vote. Um, Maloney is extremely, she is politically unchallenged in Italy. It's the most stable government we've ever had. Uh, the Czech presidency just went to a, um, a center-right candidate. You know, we, of course, we have elections. We've got elections in Spain next this year that are probably going to go to a center-right government. Um, Europe is Europe is seeing the same kind of things we are. People are seeing overly intrusive government jumping in their lives, and people like Chuck Todd just giving us these stupid narratives, and 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 they're tired of it. And, Speaking. Uh,
0: so, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Chuck Todd, he also had Bob Gates on the show to talk about Russia Ukraine and the uh, commitment by uh, Biden last week to send uh, Abrams tanks over there to get Germany to send their Leopold tanks over there. And uh, he was asked, you know, and, and Gates, as you may remember, um, you know, famously had uh, this to say about uh, Joe Biden.
14: You wrote Joe Biden was a man of integrity. Still, I think he's been wrong in nearly every major foreign policy and national security issue over the past four decades.
1: I think he's gotten a lot wrong. You're talking all through
14: the years yes. as vice I, president. I, I, he se-
1: opposed every one of Ronald Reagan's military programs to uh, contest the Soviet Union. He opposed the first Gulf War. That list goes on.
0: And now he's a Putin killer. Uh, but Gates said basically the only... Uh, criticism he had of biden's approach with respect to ukraine is that he would have moved on moving the tanks earlier than uh, biden ultimately did but um, what is your uh, assessment of the impact of the tanks being sent from the west to ukraine and uh, where the situation stands between uh, ukraine and russia right now with last week uh, John Kirby an NSC spokesman saying uh, you know we better be prepared to settle in for some time and support even in supporting Ukraine.
10: Yeah, well uh, when when I was in Ukraine um a couple of months ago and and we met with a whole bunch of people including all the defense people and um and President Zelensky and and even more importantly I was in Poland and the Poles of course are the closest to this. They have an incredible professional military. They have a great intel system. And they follow this very closely, and and you really do get a kind of different independent view from them. Um, The number one ask for weapons was air defense. This, of course, makes perfect sense because you want to be able to protect – because it's about protecting the population. So people can move back to the country. They can get the government – they can get the GDP up and running again. This is much trying to do like what Israel did with Iron Dome, which is to have so much – to have sufficient – Air and missile defense, so you're, you're, you don't have to stop living just because Hamas is shooting rockets at you. So that's the point that the uh, Ukrainians need to get with the Russians. Yeah, um, but they are
2: asking. Oh, sorry, but they are asking for the jets. I mean, this morning we're learning from Fox News that even you know before the tanks have fully arrived, now they want F sixteen jets, and they want Germany to cough up some in the United States.
10: Yeah, so let's and let's put that aside for a second. So let's talk about the tanks. And so why do you need tanks and armored vehicles? And, and this is because th- that was the second ask, because those are really critical for holding ground, right? So if, if the Russians basically have plowed through virtually their entire tank force, um, they're putting out tanks, which were obsolete 30, 40 years ago. And basically what they're doing is conscripting people and throwing them at the front line. Look, one tank versus a thousand conscripts. I, I can tell you how that's going to end. So this, the tank's, virtually assure that the russians no matter how what the numbers are can never essentially take back ground from ukraine um, and then the third ask which is is just ammunition because uh, you know artillery is, is is a thing that both sides use extensively because it's a thing that substitutes for for troops and armor so that so you know where are the f16s for it? that i think is a much longer term thing i mean Regardless of what the frozen conflict looks like when it ends, Ukraine's always going to have to, as long as Putin's around and as long as that kind of government's around, they're always going to have to worry about protecting their territory. So at the end, they are going to have to be able to control their airspace, and that does mean they're going to need to have aviation. But this is not a New York Minute type thing. You know, you have to – it's not just getting planes. You have to have pilots that are trained, airfields, logistics, and all that. So to me, the air power stuff is really for the long – when we get into the long-term security uh, of Ukraine, it's not the thing that's going to turn the tide in, in this war.
0: And and we should anticipate, uh, based on the reporting, that uh, uh, that Putin is adding more conscripts to his uh, ground troops. That we'll see some sort of spring offensive from Putin.
10: I mean that. I mean that's what we hear in all the reporting. I mean, and, and yeah, you know, I you know I'm not there and I don't have access to intel, but to me, it's just look. The, the tanks are going to get there before the conscripts. And I, I just I just don't know how an offensive with untrained, ill-equipped troops is going to produce dramatically better results for Russia than than they're getting now. So.
0: So it's This is just going to be uh, as it is now for uh, years. So we, I, we I, know.
10: I you know this is, you know, as you know, we said on the show a long, long time ago this is a war fought between Putin and the Ukrainians. The, how the war goes is going to be determined by Putin and the Ukrainians. So we all sit here and talk about, well, you know, how could – and the answer is they're going to decide. We're not going to decide. Well, I, okay. um, so well, that's well, the reality well, of, of the war.
0: Well, I understand. But, but, but then uh, based on what we think is going to happen, we're going to have to decide about our ongoing commitment to provide – aid in various forms to Ukraine. And so the, you sort of want to seed uh, the ground to make sure people understand what they can expect and what they can, what's going to be asked of them. Yeah.
10: So I, I, yeah, I would say two things. One is, is the wars, what the Ukraine war has definitely shown is that you look at the defense industrial base in both US and Europe, we have been underpowering that for, for two decades. And, and we've seen the results of that. And that, and that should be a wake up call that regardless of what happens in Ukraine, we're not producing the levels of ammunition and equipment in our industrial bases that we just to sustain the military, our own military. So that's, that's important. The other thing I'll say in Ukraine is is, look, the chief, why are we supporting them at all? Because the chief threat to the transatlantic community, to to a stable Europe and to our interest is Russia threatening and meddling and imposing themselves in Western Europe. Every day this war goes, that threat, goes down because he is plowing through his military capability and he is not replacing it at anything like a sustainable rate. So, you know, a lot of people say, well, Europe should do a lot more for the defense of Europe. You know what? First of all, I agree with that. But, but when you look at the state of your Euro- European military, you go, well, sh- they're, they're, that's actually becoming an achievable goal. And the reason for that is the level of Russian conventional military capability is going down so quickly that we might actually get to a point in the near future where then Europeans can actually defend themselves without a major mil- American military presence.
0: Uh, Gates was asked, uh, you know, what's Putin's actual red line? He draws these red lines, they're crossed, and it just uh, generates more rhetoric and whatever he's doing unbeknownst to us behind the scenes. But uh, what's an actual red line? And Gates said that Crimea, because. If he lost control of Crimea, then he would lose control of the Black Sea, and that's something he can't tolerate. Do you agree with that
10: well, he's kind of already lost control of Crimea because the problem right now is everything in Crimea all those military bases, all those sub bases all the subpens they're all within range of Ukrainian weapons so it, so they're not you know it'd be like if ramstein you know was was surrounded by by uh, Russian troops that's our main military base air base in germany so in many ways, a lot of those military bases are kind of useless for him already. So uh, from a military standpoint, th- th- they've already dramatically um, lost ground there. So well, I
0: mean, so, what, so, so what, is a, what is a real red line that we should take seriously when Putin you know, issues a diktat accordingly?
10: Well, you know, I think if a NATO country became a party to the conflict, that would put Putin in an incredibly difficult place. Right. So I, I think that's a serious, you know, issue to a concern. Um, you know, obviously, there's the one thing Putin doesn't want to lose is Crimea. And the answer is
9: absolutely.
10: Um, it it will be very difficult, if not impossible, for the Ukrainians to physically cross that river and invade Crimea. But on the other hand, they can there are two things which they probably which they might be able to one is to cut the land bridge and the other is to cut the source of water so I, I don't think i mean my objective assessment is putin can't physically lose crimea but he'll be defending something which is military useless very very difficult to supply logistically and it'll just basically be you know a wasteland people won't even go to vacation anymore so he'll hold on to it but what's it actually going to be worth in significant real gain, much much diminished.
0: He is Lieutenant Colonel Jim Carafano of the Heritage Foundation. Jim, thanks as always. Appreciate it. Sure.
2: Bye. Thank you, and he joined us on our Pro answer line.
1: Connect with Dan and Amy using the AM560 mobile app. Download it today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile. If you're looking for the latest news, insight into what it means, and the sharpest opinion, there's only one station in Chicago where you can turn, and it's this one. We're AM 560, The Answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Trump was on the stomp in South Carolina over the weekend, offering uh, some remarks about uh, the Biden presidency as compared to his, to no one's surprise. Sort of used the device that it's April Fool's Day every day under Joe Biden because of things being 180 degrees from where they should be. But there were a couple of uh, points that he made in his run-through of issues that I thought were interesting that he included them, cultural issues. Take a listen.
11: We're going to end the free reign of violent criminals in Democrat-run cities and keep dangerous repeat offenders locked up in jail where they belong, We're going to stop the left-wing radical racists and perverts who are trying to indoctrinate our youth, and we're going to get their Marxist hands off of our children. We're going to defeat the cult of gender ideology and reaffirm that God created two genders called men and women.
0: Yeah, it was interesting that uh, those uh, were the applause lines, much more so than policing or the deep state. Those were the applause lines, what's going on in our culture, particularly as it uh, manifests itself in K-12 through education. And so to his point, by the way, before I get to that, it's interesting because this is an area Trump is being more aggressive on, it seems to me, than he was as a candidate or as president. And in part, I think it's because Ron DeSantis actually has a record on these issues in a way that Trump does not as a governor Mm -hmm. and as somebody, you know, who's lords over a big uh, school system. The parental rights bill,
2: not the don't say gay bill.
0: Right. For example, (laughs) no sex uh,
2: education between kindergarten and third grade. I think that is more than reasonable.
0: Yeah. And um, and so what's going on in the culture? I mean, this is remarkable. This is an event, Beauty and the Bingo, oh my God. that occurred at a community center in Princeton, Texas. Now, just because it's uh, in Texas doesn't mean it's necessarily a conservative community, although uh, Princeton and the the county in which Princeton is located, it was about 50-50. Trump, uh, Trump beat Biden in this county by a couple of points. But there's an organization in Princeton, Texas, isn't there one in every community? Princeton, Texas Diverse, Beauty and the Bingo Drag Show. These are all a bunch of older honkies and their kids, mainly, that were in attendance at a community center. And um, this is how the lead drag queen opened the program.
14: All right, now, I'm going to do a
0: quick little cheers
16: that I normally do. I mean, I know there's little babies here, but close your ears. <laughs> I, this is just a tradition that all shows normally do. So raise your glasses, cheers to you, cheers to me, cheers to the ones that lick us where we pay. Yeah!
2: Ew, ew, ew. <laughs>
3: Let's celebrate
0: and Woo! let the show begin. Cheers to you, cheers to me, cheers to those who lick us where we pee.
2: Three one two six <laughs> four two five six zero zero Turnkey Pro Answer Line six four six three six. Type in D A, then a quick comment.
0: And if you watch the video, oh yeah, you have uh, video. which I don't recommend, but in a sense I recommend, just so you understand what's going on, you have kids like. Like, you know, pre-adolescent kids, like handing dollar bills to the men, mm-hmm. parading around, it, scantily clad as women. With
2: beards on their face, some of them, too.
0: Yeah. And then at the end of the show, they, like, throw a bunch of dollars up in the air that land on the floor, and then the little kitties go run and pick up all the dollars. Yeah. And
2: as a man, drag queen. And I know drag queens have come out, other ones, and, you know, or they're condoning this, saying, you know, we, we would never do this in front of little children. For them to do it in front of little kids like that, and they're enjoying it so much? Uh, Mommy we should what check is, into their backgrounds.
0: What does is, what is, uh, Uncle Drag Queen mean by that?
2: But I just like how the left, you know, they commandeers deers, and then they label it family-friendly.
0: Family-friendly. There's
2: nothing family-friendly about it. And they have it during times when families – I think, should be at church rather than at a drag queen
0: brunch. The cheering from the assembled. Take take a look at who's in that room and understand how pervasive this is. And, to some extent, how popular and accepting because, of course, you don't want to be labeled a non-ally, do you? So we'll just giggle along at profane toasts in front of our kids. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, you know, you can understand why you hear the reaction among South Carolina Republicans on the topic that you heard when Trump invoked these issues. And there's other things going on in K through 12, too, that continue to astound. Um, Nicole Solis, who we've had on the show before, she's the parent in Providence, Rhode Island, who was sued by the teachers union at her kid's school for trying to FOIA copies of the curriculum at her kid's school, elementary school. Sued by the teachers union. Mount Pleasant High School in Rhode Island is soliciting donations from teachers to pay a debt to a cartel that trafficked a student. What? Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Where's the police? Is this what you call the FBI or something?
0: This uh, message that was sent out to Mount Pleasant High School parents in Rhode Island. Please see the message below regarding your consideration for an urgent amount for an urgent matter to support one of our own students here at Mount. We have a student who came to America with Coyote, with a which is a group that helps people.
2: Yeah, they help. Coyotes help you get across the border. You pay them a certain amount of money.
0: Uh huh. That that's called helping. This group gives you a time frame to make a payment of five thousand dollars to those who bring them into the states. Our student needs our urgent support to raise another two thousand dollars. To meet his goal of $5,000 by February 1st, please consider helping if you can by donating on Friday. This is a missive that was sent out by the assistant principal of Mount Pleasant High School. These These are helping. These are traffickers. They're human traffickers. Yeah. Associated with the cartels more often than not. Now we're raising money from teachers at our schools to pay off.
2: Drug cartels. Yeah.
0: Yeah. To pay off uh, right. mules who are engaged in human trafficking and are bringing people into this country illegally and exploiting them oftentimes in the process.
2: And raping and robbing them. Yes. Not all the times, but times. And one time is too much.
0: Oh. I'll give you another example. So there we got, let's say we got Rhode Island, we got Princeton, Texas. Oh, by the way, if you think that just happens at a community center and won't be visited upon the schools or hasn't already been, then... You're incredibly naive. Then just a few states, we're running through Princeton, Texas, uh, Providence, Rhode Island. How about Valentine's Hill Elementary in Minnesota? Here's an elementary school teacher in Valentine's Hill.
3: One of my coworkers told me that they were talking to some students in the hallway. And they asked, the students asked the other teacher if I'm a boy or a girl. And the teacher is like, "Does it matter? You know, she's cool and they're like, no I just I just can't figure it out. It's just so hard I can't figure it out just like, that's the goal that's the goal
0: that's the goal to not know what your teacher's sex is a woman who I guess dresses somewhat like a man or at least confusing enough sort of it's Pat style. And uh, this is the goal of her leadership as a teacher in that elementary school, you know, as I assume non-binary.
2: It's not, it's not about you, the teachers, it's about the kids.
0: Is it? Well, it is about the kids in a sense. It's yeah. about indoctrinating the kids. Deborah Arlington Heights.
3: Good morning. I, I, I boil this down to very simple terms. This is emotional and sexual child abuse. A, um, our
8: students,
3: our kids do not belong to the school system or the government. they are our kids. We put them in your care while you're in school. And finally, you are not God. And at every turn, you try to usurp him and take over and become God. And that's, that's like the crux of the problem as far as I'm concerned.
0: Thanks for the call, Deborah. Well, this is an issue that Republicans can run to or run from. Uh-huh. And you probably have a mixed bag. Ron DeSantis has run to it. Trump is indicating he's going to run to it. The Republican Party would do well to run to it. These are I mean, this is a culture battle that's being played out primarily at the K through 12 level. And it provides an opportunity for Republicans to make gains when it comes to the education of children that have not been made in many generations to refashion our schools in and and sort of reimagine them as places they used to be the sort of the the, uh, you know, the old schoolhouse where the focus was on academics. And I think what you're gonna see is the people that are willing to run to it and suffer the slings and arrows politically for being sensible are going to, to be rewarded politically. And those who try to run from it and just uh, play the I'm, for, I'm a fiscal conservative and, I, and social issues are off the table game are going to be punished politically. We'll see. Starting April 4th here, by the way. Dan and Amy, Chicago's Morning Answer.
1: Hear about the big stories of the day, then talk about them. Right here on Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer.
0: of the morning, Dan and Amy. We uh, talked at length about the uh, videos released of Memphis police stopping and ultimately beating to death Tyree Nichols a bit earlier in the program. And uh, said, you know, we need to hear from law enforcement on this. It's particularly important to hear from law enforcement so that the BLM Marxists, the defund the police, decarcerate the prisons crowd doesn't inflame passions and lead people to get on board with idiotic public policies that make their neighborhoods less safe. And so we have heard from some, Um, but it doesn't mean that uh, the premises being advanced even by law enforcement should go without challenge. Let me give you an example. Former LAPD detective Timothy Williams, who uh, I guess now is a consultant on excessive force cases nationally, he was on CNN And he had this to say about uh, the unwritten rule when it comes to police and suspects who resist arrest, who flee.
8: You know, you if we have to chase you, then you're going to pay for that. And normally the payment is a beating. Um, What you saw there in 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 Memphis, Memphis, Tennessee, is an indication of what goes on in the communities. Uh, of color if you have to chase someone and and that's the result of that
0: you run you pay the unwritten rule uh you know i gotta tell you there have been many uh cases we've covered of resisting of of people resisting arrest of people fleeing police of police having to chase people down and they have not even generally resulted in a beating certainly nothing on the order of what tyree nichols was treated to so yeah i don't think so i think that's a political statement that doesn't necessarily square with the facts give you another one we talked about a bit earlier this idea that in neighborhoods that are afflicted by a high incidence of violent crime what's happening is police because of the violence they're treated to on a, a daily basis they're allowed to do anything anything goes because you're policing a high crime area no i don't think that's what we've seen either what i've what we've seen particularly over the last few years is just the opposite seems to me where civilian political authorities create an environment where it's anything that goes for the criminals and police are on their heels they're not doing stops they're not doing chases they're uh discouraged from doing both it's not police anything that goes it's the small criminal element that has a disproportionately negative impact on public safety that has been given an anything goes card by mayors and prosecutors. That's what it seems to me. Let's get another law enforcement perspective on this. Pleased to be joined by DuPage County Sheriff James Mendrick. Sheriff Mendrick, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Good
13: morning. How are you doing today?
0: Good morning. So uh, what was your reaction to Seeing those uh, videos in the Tyree Nichols case, uh, what did you think about uh, what went down?
13: Well, I think the first and only time I'll be able to watch it, um, it actually brought tears to my eyes when this guy's begging his mom for help when these so-called policemen are beating him to death. I mean, that is... Nothing we would tolerate here, in my opinion. They should get whatever the—I don't know what penalty could be harsh enough, but whatever it is, they deserve it. That—that that was the worst atrocity. There's no payback. There's no reason for that to happen. I mean, that's—that's that's why we go the other way and we train crisis intervention training to de-escalate, to learn to talk to people in a normal way and to not do stuff like that. You know, I brag a little bit that since I've been elected, I have 400 sworn deputies. I don't have one citizen complaint for use of force from any deputy since I've been elected. We've been doing the CIT training for over seven years. We've trained almost 1,000 officers. We do it different here in DuPage. We talk to people. We work it out. We de-escalate. And that stuff really works.
2: Well, do you think they had any training at all? I mean, they they showed up so angry and so fixing for a fight that I don't know what he could have done for them to, like, they, they didn't even ask him. They just threw him out of the car. And I don't know what proceeded. And, we, you know, you don't either. But that there seemed to me that there was no training whatsoever.
13: Yeah, I've never seen conduct like that before. That that was the most, like I said, it was so bad that I don't think I could watch it again. It, it was traumatizing just to watch. And um, I think that there there probably was a lack of training. I've never seen five cops in tandem uh, do something that horrible before. I mean, it, it was it was an atrocity. There's no excuse, and I don't care what happened before. Nothing justifies what they did.
0: And the uh, this uh, idea that there is a sort of system wide you run, you pay unwritten rule among police. Is that true?
13: Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We we have people run from us all the time. You know, I'd say most of the time they're, they're missing people, missing suicidals. And those those people are actively resistant. But uh, we use the minimum amount of force. Uh, we don't beat people. There is no such thing as payback out here in DuPage County. We are the law. We follow the law. Uh, we believe we're under more scrutiny than a citizen because we're applica- uh, applying the law and we should be an example. And, and that was no example of policing. That that was a wolf
0: pack. And with respect to, you know, the whole uh, give me your hands, give me your hands. It started at the first stop. It continued uh, when they caught up with him and stopped him a second time. I mean, it seems to me there was, uh, again, to sort of to Amy's point, a, a lack of competence when you have that many officers unable to get an unarmed suspect who was generally afraid and trying to be compliant, although he was scared and maybe he was, was more jittery than he should have been, but it's understandable. It just, it seemed to me, there was no reason they couldn't have gotten his hands behind his back, him coughed and everybody safe after the process.
13: Right. So again, the training that we do, the the escalation training is exactly that, you know, see how they came in hot and they were already, you know, a saturation point anger and the, the whole spirit of our training is to start really low. You always leave yourself room to escalate. If you come in yelling at somebody, you're already past where you need to be. Yeah. you got to come in with calm, concise orders of what you want, why you want it. It's all about your flexion, your demeanor, uh, your decibel level. We train all of that to prevent exactly this. You start at the lowest point possible, so there's always room to escalate if that person escalates it.
2: Do you think the police chief should be fired?
13: You know, it would all depend on what they have in their training. You know, I, I don't know uh, if if they did have training and just disobeyed it or if they were properly trained or if they weren't trained. If they weren't trained, yes, I, I, that's called vicarious liability. If you don't train your people, uh, you're responsible. I mean, it's just that simple.
0: Uh, a former NYPD inspector named Paul Morrow uh, talked uh, specifically about the um, – Units like the Scorpion Unit uh, in the Memphis Police Department, these sort of tactical units and they 're in unmarked cars and so forth and he suggested these units that have sort of a special purpose to interdict gang crime and so forth it, they particularly need uh, proper oversight from a sergeant or from from higher ups and uh, we could have a situation here where there was a culture within this unit, which was at, in Memphis, 44 officers. So a significant percentage of the police department there and and lack of oversight, professional oversight by the brass may have been a problem here as well, creating a poisonous culture.
13: Well, I do. You know, it's concerning just to hear that name scorpion. It sounds like, you know, that what is a scorpion? It's aggressive. It, it stings. Um, you know, that'd be like naming a police canine Cujo. It's, it, I think it's a, a horrible <laughs> look.
0: Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, all right. Well, um, and and also, too, I mean, just the, uh, again, playing devil's advocate on behalf of the police. You had one officer after uh, Tyree Nichols had been subdued, and they were awaiting paramedics to arrive, sort of speaking to other officers and saying, he went for my gun, he almost grabbed my gun, and so on and so forth. We don't see any evidence to support that claim in the video, and one wonders if he was sort of performing for the body cams, knowing he's on body cam, to provide a rationale for what they did, knowing they had done wrong.
13: Well, to me, that is uh, one of the biggest problems that I had, you know, the lack of remorse. Uh, is disturbing after something like that. You know, I'd feel guilty if I yell at somebody. I couldn't imagine how I'd feel being the cause of some atrocity like that. To not see, you know, real remorse, I, I think that should be a penalty enhancer. I mean, when you see demeanor like that after the fact, I, I, I it, to me, it's just unconscionable.
0: Yeah, and the and the and it raises the policing, the police sort of issue too, where officers have to somebody when somebody see when when they see a fellow officer pull out a blackjack and start beating. Mm-hmm. A suspect like that, while two other guys are trying to, you know, wrangle him into custody or kicking him in the head, that uh. somebody's got to say, "Well, yeah, hey, 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 what are you doing?" and pull him off. I mean, there was and and there was as many as ten officers on scene by the end of it, and nobody did much of anything.
13: Well, and and that that's what bothers me. It was like groupthink. And yeah. again, you know, for me, the hardest part was hearing this poor young man screaming for his mother while yeah. he's being yeah. beaten down. That. Yeah. How how can how can not one person there have a conscience to where oh my god he's begging for his mom while he's been beaten I I, I just don't know like I said that, that was one of those things that I saw it once I don't think I could ever watch it again yeah, it's so know.
0: disturbing well and right and so and then how can you make a claim which they're going to have to make in their defense I'm sure that they fear for their lives or their safety or something you have a an unarmed kid who's crying for his mother. Uh, Wasn't really posing much of a discernible threat. Seems seems like a very difficult argument to make. Um, Yeah,
13: yeah,
4: yeah. I agree with you.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, tackle a few other topics. Uh, You've uh, made some news along with other county sheriffs around the state in uh, suggesting, well, not suggesting, in stating that you're not going to enforce the uh, assault weapon ban that was signed into law by our uh, duly elected governor. Uh, Give us um, your perspective on that law.
13: Yeah, you know, it was something that I wasn't going to really get involved in in the beginning, but then all the sheriff started writing letters. Uh, I started getting so many citizen contacts that it was just inundating my office. We were all trying to call people back. Uh, There were hundreds of phone calls, though, so... Uh, They wanted me to put out a statement, and I felt obligated to the people who elected me. My voters uh, had asked me to put out a statement on my opinion of what I'll be doing on this. And the way the law was written, um, it did nothing on enforcement. We all know if you don't put who's responsible enforcing it in the law that it's going to be an unfunded mandate down at the end of the year. That's just how this works every time. And I couldn't get anybody to... Uh, tell me, yes or no? Will we be expected to enforce this? Until I got a call from Sean Casten, congressman, uh, who told me that if I was willing to go to a house filled with Molotov cocktails, I should have no problem going to people's doors for this law.
4: What? So,
0: and he, and he, he called on that, you to, re, and he called on you to resign. Did Sean Casten? Yeah, I had
13: to resign, uh, recall. I think he said, or mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. He told me on the phone too. I have no First Amendment right as a sheriff, you know, and. Uh, I really thought that was odd that, you know, to see the, the, the shock and horror of a politician when they don't get their way or when somebody challenges them simply because before we even start the, the conversation of is this right or wrong, it's an impossibly unfunded mandate that would crush our, our law enforcement. We're already down cops. I'm down 32 employees. Uh, I was already told by all the police unions that I'll we'll have a whole lot more retirements if I try to make them go to doors for uh, law-abiding citizens' guns. So that's just not something we could do or should do. It's, it's rare when uh, you know the financial thing and the right thing to do line up together, but here they do. We couldn't never afford the police um, manpower to possibly do this, and I I am not going to send policemen to law-abiding doors and then end up having a standoff possibly with somebody who would never. Committed a crime in any other circumstance before, and then what we have a shootout, and then am I going to get backed by Sean Caston? No, then he's going to leave me to hang out to dry.
2: So, wait, wait, what was your response to Sean Caston when he said that to you?
13: Well, it got worse. He said some other things I'm not going to divulge just because he really got nasty with me. But oh, imagine uh, that yeah. Sean
0: Casson got nasty. Is there any other way Sean Caston you know, behaves?
13: But think about it if they'll treat your duly elected sheriff of this county that way. Just think how they'll treat you. I mean, I couldn't believe it. You know, I, I live in the definition of a hostile work environment, political intimidation. I mean, when everybody, uh, so 90 other sheriffs put out this letter, and, and you know, they're talking about selecting laws. Can, should we talk about Kim Fox over in that jurisdiction? I mean, there's selective laws right there. Um, and I'm the only one they focus on. You have all these state representatives, senators, you know, congressmen, uh, county board members, and they all focus just on me, like I'm the only one doing it. I am like the 90th person on board. But for some reason, um, they wanted to make me an example. I, I don't understand why.
0: Well, you know, they're trying to further uh, close... their political careers. Right? Yeah, well, they're, tra- they're trying to close out their domination of DuPage County, which uh, they're oh. close to doing. Um, so here's an issue they think they can uh, use as a political cudgel. There's no question about it. With respect to um, uh, one other matter, too, you have this pending Supreme Court review of the Safety Act, the Safety Act 2.0. If the Supreme Court were to hold the Revised Safety Act constitutional and thus, uh, you know, essentially dictate that it be enforced, what would that mean for you and what would it mean for the violent criminals that are housed in the DuPage County Jail?
13: Well, you know, it's funny, too, how we complained about the class B and C misdemeanors and trespass. Uh, we complain about the no-cash bail and not being able to do the rehabilitation services that we do uh, anymore. And it's it's so funny that they called us fear-mongers and extremists and all this stuff for a year and a half. And so right after the election, then they're like, right. hey, you're right. We need to change those parts. <laughs> right. So I thought it was really odd that they agreed with us all along, but until it was politically safe, you know, they didn't make any changes. Uh, but even as is, I mean, it's, it's more digestible with those changes in it. They changed it from, you know, threat to a specific named person, to threat to society. Again, uh, they gave you an option to arrest on BNC misdemeanors if the activity persists. Um, that softens it a bit, but still, uh, you're going to take basically no, nobody for property crimes. I don't see how I'd be able to hold a burglar because they're not a threat to society. Society are people. So you kind of wipe out cro- property crimes. And, you know, we get about 80% of the people that we get in our correctional facility because we have the only uh, jail in the, in the county. So everyone brings their detainees to us. Um, 80% of them are on substance, and uh, half of them are self-medicating for mental health. And we do full drug uh, detox, drug recovery, uh, psych services. Uh, Once we do the detox, we can tell you what mental health malady you have, and we treat that with full staff, uh, full psych staff, medical staff, medicated assistant treatment. Uh, We go into over 70 classes of program, everything from family management, domestic management. We do job training. Uh, we've graduated 130 in sanitation. We're doing welding, indoor, outdoor horticulture. We're fixing people. Our recidivism rates in heroin have dropped in from 90 percentiles down to 18. Our criminality, 75 to 15, basically for the people who go through this programming. We do reentry. We keep track of these people for up to two years when they're out. Uh, we we found a model. It's jobs. It's family. It's religion, and we give you all those as like an intervention. That these are services. Without money, you could never get in the outside world. And that will be taken away from us if we can't hold people.
0: Well, that's a good point. Yeah, I hadn't looked at it from that perspective in terms of the services they won't get. Think about it from the offender's point of view, if you want the offender to stop being an offender. Well, that's a good point. Um, what about the other uh, matter, too? And this obviously would be in concert with Bob Berlin, the state's attorney. But uh, Jim Glasgow and other state's attorneys who have sued on this uh, basically say, look, even with the uh, additional days provided the these uh, clocks that are put on prosecutors to bring cases for trial are still going to be onerous they're going to result in us not they're going to result in defendants all wanting to start the clock as soon as they're processed their their attorneys and we may not be able to get all these uh, the uh, cases as strong as we would like them prepared for trial within the window that's provided by the safety act And so that means people charged with serious crimes, violent crimes, will be released pending trial.
13: Uh, Well, that's certainly a a definite outcome that's going to happen with a lot of cases. Um, It's going to be a crunch time for us to prove up a case in in basically two days. Plus, the financial side for the citizens is going to be massive. They had to build a 24 7 bond court uh, into my sheriff's office. Uh, That'll have to be staffed on weekends and holidays. So, you know, do the math. There's. 52 weeks in a year, so there's 104 extra days of overtime right there when I'm down 32 in staff. So um, that's going to be overtime for, you know, public defenders, judges, you know, to have bond court on Saturdays, Sundays, and Christmas, and New Year's, that's going to cost a lot of money. So there's going to be a financial aspect for the citizens on this and taxes. Um, you know, there's a lot of money that goes into this. This was, you know, 750-plus pages of, of things that are going to all hit in different times. We, we, it's so convoluted that we believe that a lot of this is actually going to be determining trial and error case law. Something's going to happen. We're going to take an action. The judge is going to rule. That's going to be case law now. But there are a lot of conflicting portions of this law, too, that just uh, it eats itself.
0: Better hope that uh, the Supreme Court, um, uh, well, follows the uh, lead of the Kankakee Circuit Court. That's, I guess that's the easiest way to say it. He is James Mendrick. He's the sheriff in DuPage County. Sheriff Mendrick, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it.
13: Thank you for having me on your show. I really appreciate it.
2: Thank you. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line.
0: It's news, opinion, insight.
1: This is Chicago's Morning Answer an AM560, The Answer. If you're looking for the latest news, insight into what it means, and the sharpest opinion, there's only one station in Chicago where you can turn, and it's this one. We're AM560, The Answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. So the argument goes if... uh House Republicans don't give Mr. Ten Percent, the big guy, President Biden, a clean debt ceiling raise. Then, according to uh, Captain Kangaroo body double Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, the country will be unable to pay its bills uh, around June, creating a default on our debt and the end of Western civilization.
2: Right. And Kevin McCarthy is meeting with President Trump today to talk about it.
0: Well, is that true? Is that uh, argument that's being advanced? Is that the case? Is that what we face? For more on this topic and others, please be joined by Alex Pollack, Senior Fellow with the Mises Institute. He served as the Principal Deputy Director of the Office of Financial Research in the Treasury Department. He's also the former President and CEO of Federal Home Loan Bank of Chicago and author of Finance and Philosophy, Why We're Always Surprised. Alex Pollack, thanks for joining us again. Appreciate it.
5: Thanks a lot for having me. Good morning.
0: So is, uh, is the Biden administration uh, and uh, those TV economists on CNBC, are they right? It's a debt ceiling raise or bust? They're
5: not right, uh, we think. Uh, and uh, it is true that we're running up against the debt ceiling. Personally, I'm a big supporter of limiting the debt, which is already extremely high, as we know. Uh, but the uh, Treasury is in the position of uh, somebody who owes money, but they've maxed out their credit card and they're up against the credit card limit and they feel like they can't pay. Uh, Paul Kupiak and I have written recently to say, well, you say you can't pay, but isn't it odd Uh, you own half a trillion dollars worth of gold? Uh, So if you could uh, use that, you, you could pay. You wouldn't be able to put the political pressure uh, on the Republicans who rightfully wish to control spending and deficits, uh, and we could uh, uh, easily, doing that, get through the end of the fiscal year and put in regular order a serious budget deficit reduction uh, process and think about where the debt should go. And we can do that by using the gold. That's what our our recent
0: article turn was about. It sounds turn, like an turn, easy the, solution. Turn, turn, turn the gold into cash and pay your bills.
5: Turn the gold into cash. Well, you know, uh, in in the history of banking, gold was cash. Gold is is the uh, classic monetary asset. Well, how much gold does the Treasury own? The answer is 261 million ounces, which is the same as 8,000 tons. Uh, If I could give you a little example here, I said it's like somebody who has maxed out his credit card uh, and they owe $1,000. Their credit card is maxed out. They've asked the credit card company to raise their limit. The credit card company said no. So they're going to say, well, I can't pay my debt. And the creditor might point out, but you own $5,000 worth of gold, and you only owe me
2: $1,000. Well, seems...
5: The Treasury, as <laughs> yeah. debtor, says, yes, but I consider that that gold is only worth $25 because I've got it on my books at the price of 50 years ago. They well, we say, well, that's fine. Put the price up to the market. <laughs> yeah, but this
2: seems like such an easy solution. Why aren't they doing it then?
5: Well, I, one is I th- honestly think they haven't thought of it, and we're trying to call it to their attention. The second thing is it actually does take a change in a statute. It's the Gold Reserve Act. The Gold Reserve Act allows the Treasury to monetize the gold by issuing gold certificates. It's just making a deposit of the value of the gold in the Fed, which they could then write checks against. But um, the act, going back to 1973, says you have to value your gold at $42.22 an ounce. Well, the market price, as we know, is more than $1,900 an ounce. So we've got a 50-year-old price put into the statutes. I I think, and Paul, my my co-author, thinks, that uh, it would be a lot smarter to change the statute to say we're going to treat our gold as worth what it really is worth and allow it to be spent. It would be the same as coining the gold, only you do it through the Fed so you could write checks on it. That would be smarter, we think, than raising the debt limit. And we think it would also be smarter uh, than – than giving the spenders the big political win by saying, well, you caused a default on the United States debt by sticking to the credit limit. Uh, Uh, It does seem like an elegant solution, doesn't it?
0: It does, and I'd love to hear the response uh, on the Hill to that. I mean, (laughs) just even starting with the basic idea that um, uh, an asset in your possession – should be valued at its current market price not its market price from 50 years ago that seems uh pretty pretty straightforward That's, doesn't it, uh, it seem <laughs> it like that would make all kinds of sense which is probably why it is, it's not going to happen <laughs> right yeah you know. um so uh w- one other thing too uh you wrote about recently this is interesting though because uh, as we understand it uh jay powell and the mystics on the fed board are going to save our economy for us they know just which dials to turn and levers to pull. Uh, They did for a decade, other mystics, uh, with quantitative easing. And now over the last year when they've been tightening up, we'll have a 25 basis point hike next month, and then maybe they'll start uh, going back to the good old days of quantitative easing, and all will be right with the world. Uh, Maybe we (laughs) should not place so much faith in these mystics, considering, as you write, that... um, the Fed is technically, technically insolvent, or will be by year's end.
5: Yes, that's right. They're insolvent uh, in two ways. Uh, one is the mark-to-market of their portfolio, uh, uh, as of the last quarter, was about a negative one trillion dollars mark-to-market. <laughs> but even uh, worse than that, on a cash basis, operating month to month and week to week, they are now losing. Serious amounts of money in the last week, the Fed reports uh, weekly, and and this is the January 25th report, uh, they lost $1.3 billion in a week. Uh, We think that they're on track over the next year to lose maybe $100 billion, which is more than twice their capital. Uh, Mm -hmm. That would make them technically insolvent. Now, they can print up the money. You know, everybody says, what's to worry? They can print it up. Well, the worry is twofold. One, it should make you doubt perhaps the financial acumen uh, of somebody who runs its own balance sheet while claiming to manage the whole economy, runs its own balance sheet to lose $100 billion a year uh, and to become technically insolvent. And secondly, that money is actually costing the taxpayers. That, that that's money that uh is is increasing the national deficit when they lose it.
0: So um I got an idea maybe um work out some kind of work release for Sam Bankman-Fried and put him on the Fed board since they uh <laughs> they operate similarly. You know. he can figure a way out of this.
2: Financial funnies with
0: them. Uh, so yeah, that is sort of <laughs> that is sort of remarkable. And you note in your piece that uh, that would be uh, the, the what you're describing the first annual operating loss for the Fed since 1915. So uh, right.
5: and that was when they were just starting up and they didn't have any business to speak of.
0: Right. So we're getting now we're, they
5: got now they got an eight trillion dollar balance sheet. That's a lot of business.
0: And they can't seem to make the num- the math work. That's encouraging. Um so 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 how confident are you about uh, them sticking the landing and us going back to the heady pre-pandemic days of uh, of uh, that of, of a market on a sugar high so everybody regains uh, what they lost in their 401k The uh, the basic problem is I, I,
5: in my book uh, Finance and philosophy, you were were nice enough to mention. There's a chapter called The Most Dangerous Financial Institution in the World, in which I nominate the Federal Reserve for that honor. And the problem is that they have a vast financial and monetary economic power, but it's combined with a fundamental inability to know what they're
0: doing. Uh, (laughs) It's a bad combination, yeah.
5: It is a bad combination. Well, it might work out right, you know, and you don't know what you're doing. You might get lucky and it might work out okay. But on the other hand, it might be a disaster. And uh, my opinion is that, the, the, that no one, not the Fed, not anybody, has the knowledge uh, to, as they say, quote, manage the economy. You don't know it and you can't know it. And the Federal Reserve doesn't know and can't know even what the results of their own actions will be, let alone what the results of everybody else's actions and decisions will be. So uh, that puts it in a a tough spot. Uh, I once said we ought to have a lot of sympathy for the members of the uh, Open Market Committee because they must know that they don't really know, and yet they have to have a a public vote all the time of pretending that they know. It's quite interesting, this this thing that – We've created in the in the way of a of a fiat currency a central bank, um, uh, leading the uh, leading the ability to run unlimited or at least very large deficits and, and in full of the government's debt, which it has which it has bought and paid for by effectively printing money. It's a fascinating so you... situation and very worrisome.
0: Yeah, I'd say. So what do you anticipate or worry about in the short term? Um, it seems like we still benefit from being the world's reserve currency and, and sort of thus to borrow from Buckley, the tallest skyscraper in Wichita, and that's enough for the market to, to rally, even in the face of uh, uh, bad earnings reports recently.
5: Uh, yes, most interesting. We have uh, what people talk about now as high interest rates. In fact, they're sort of normal interest rates. Uh the, the average short-term rate over the last 70 years since the 1950s is about four and a half percent so more or less where we are now but we got the uh, thanks to the quantitative easing which you all mentioned before we got a lot of financial structure built on the assumption that interest rates would be closer closer to zero uh, than average we've got a lot of houses built bought uh, and built on the idea that mortgage rates would be 3% instead of 5 or 6 which is normal 5 or 6 and and there is a, a serious uh, financial risk in there uh, could you get the, the soft landing you referred to in a minute maybe but as i say in my opinion that'd be a matter of luck and and i uh, personally think it's unlikely
0: and what if so what if we're unlucky what does that look like
5: Uh, It looks like more uh, losses. It looks like house prices falling. It looks like financial markets falling. It looks like uh, deficits rising Uh, and uh, even more need to monetize our gold so we can get into a serious political discussion between House and Senate on how we're uh, going to address this in uh, in a financially responsible way.
0: He is Alex Pollack, senior fellow with the Mises Institute, served as the principal deputy director of the Office of Financial Research at the Treasury Department, former president and CEO of Federal Home Loan Bank of Chicago, and author of Finance and Philosophy, Why We're Always Surprised. Alex Pollack, thanks for joining us again. Appreciate it. Thank thanks a so lot.
2: Thank you. And he joined us on our Pro answer line.
1: Listen to the podcast of Dan and Amy from the AM560 mobile app. Download it today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile.
0: Thanks for listening to Chicago's Morning Answer podcast sponsored by Signature Bank. Signature Bank takes pride in helping customers grow their business and provide unmatched banking expertise, custom financial solutions, and the industry's best technology. So whether you're a business looking for a deposit relationship or needs a ready source of financing, Signature Bank is the right bank for you. Call today at 773 773- Four six seven five six hundred to hear how Signature Bank can help your business grow and thrive. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender.